0: It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth.
1: Presented by Sweet Sweat.
0: Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, produced the show. want to thank our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Sweet Sweat for all your exercise needs, for all your supplement needs. Check them out at Sweet Sweat. Also, uh, Superbook, America's Best Bet. Uh, Mike and I have been absolutely horrible in our picks in the uh, playoffs. I've been worse than him. Uh, Our picks all season have been terrible, so you're welcome. But Superbook (laughs) is the place to go if you want to take opposite of what Mike and I do, that would be beneficial to you. So the great folks over at Superbook. Mike, how are you, buddy? You
1: know, Stink, I was thinking about uh, something. You know, Major League Baseball, when they have their World Series going on, Uh teams are kind of encouraged to hold off on – announcing any news right. until after the World Series is over. Mm-hmm. Let the World Series have its moment. You got to love the NFL. We're getting ready for one of the most highly anticipated Super Bowls of all time, Brady and Mahomes, and yet we got news all over the place that's almost kind of overshadowing the game right now.
0: Well, it's it's so weird because normally I I mean, when I retired, I went right to work for ESPN. I have been at every Super Bowl site since 2001. My first Super Bowl I covered as an analyst was the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl in New Orleans. Now, I had played in three of them up to that point, and I never really left the hotel. We were sequestered. You know, it was a business trip, all that kind of stuff. We never really left. First thing was I was shocked. Being out on the streets of New Orleans during that time, I was like, damn, this Super Bowl thing is a big deal. Like, I think I might have been more nervous to play in the damn game had I actually left the hotel and seen exactly what goes on during the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's a, a debacle. Yeah. Debauchery well, is what's is, happening. This is
1: kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm nervous. Yeah, ex- exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I you know, it's, it's really weird. The reason I bring that up is obviously – this pandemic and what's going on right now. And the teams haven't even got to the, or the the chiefs haven't gotten to the Super Bowl site. Tampa's playing a home game, but it, it just is really weird. And ultimately, I don't know if you saw this the other day, but Brady had the ultimate flex, the ultimate humble brag, when somebody asked him about like the differences he goes, "Yeah, this is way different doing this on Zoom as opposed to the first 9 times I came to the Super Bowl." <laughs> I was like, "You asshole. What a great lie. What a great lie." So, good for him. But yeah, all about the news. I mean, I mean, we're talking Watson all over the place,
1: you know. I mean, the Super Bowl's really taken second fiddle to the news right and it's broken. It has. I mean, and it starts with that Matthew Stafford Jared Goff deal. And and you got to feel kind of, um, I guess, I don't know, justified, emboldened, vindicated, uh, vindicated. because you've, you've long been advancing the idea that, Hey, pay no attention to what you've seen in Detroit. This guy Stafford is an elite talent. And the Rams certainly seem to think so. Uh, Yeah, he is. And, And I
0: think, you know, I think the Rams have just said, Hey, Super Bowl window or bust. Like we're in it from the standpoint of the way we've built our roster. Um, from the standpoint of what we have on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we have two of the premier defensive players in all of football, in Ramsey and in Aaron Donald. And, you know, on top of that, they've got a bunch of good players as well. Johnson at safety. uh, You know, they've got – I mean, they have got uh, Floyd. Leonard Floyd is out there off the edge who had a tremendous season. So they have this Super Bowl window built. And, you know, we always talk to Joel Klatt on our own radio program a lead college football analyst for Fox. And Joel always says, and we've adopted it, does the guy pass the confetti test? Like, can you see confetti raining down on him after a world championship? And with that football team in Los Angeles, yeah, I definitely can see that. Matthew Stafford is one of the toughest competitors, one of the toughest individuals, and has got arm talent, you know that I would compare to. There's only two or three guys in the league that compare arm talent wise to Matthew Stafford, and, and that you know Aaron Aaron Rodgers does, um, obviously Mahomes does, but Stafford is right there. When you're just talking pure arm talent, ability to be accurate from different platforms, um, you know his ability to manipulate the pocket, he is phenomenal. Mike, in the pocket. He's not the greatest scrambler or the greatest, you know, runner of the football. Um, as a matter of fact, he's below average probably in comparison to today's quarterbacks. But he has Brady-esque talent inside the pocket. He's he's one of the best scramblers I have watched that never actually leaves the pocket. Um, he's exceptional at that. So, yeah, you know, and, and I'm sitting here in Denver telling people, if the Denver Broncos can be in on this, you should be in on this, uh, I mean, 100%. Just, I mean, go go after this. And people are like, oh, he, he's got a losing record. He's not any good. You guys are stupid, and you don't know what you're looking at. The guy is a phenomenal player. And, you know, I, I look at, in 12 years of playing, do you know how many 100-yard running backs he has had in 12 years? Like, how many guys have rushed for 100 yards during his tenure as the as the quarterback of the, uh, of the Lions?
1: 100 yards in a game.
0: In a game. So you're talking about 12 years
1: at 16 games a year. How many uh, you're leading the witness here. I would assume it's what, single digits? It's like 10 times? 11, 11 times. times.
0: 11 times. The one time he's had a top 10 defense over the course of his 12 years 12-year 12 career, they they went 11 and 5 as a record. Matthew Stafford is not the issue. And Detroit did him a solid. They got a lot in return, but I love like let me just Move over to the Rams for a second. I love their philosophy. They have a window, and they realized their window is open. And we don't have a uh, we don't have a quarterback that will com- that that confetti is going to roll down on. What happened there?
1: I, I I don't mean to take you off in a different direction, but what what happened just a couple years ago? Sean McVay was the boy genius. Jared Goff was the Former number one overall pick—that was the perfect marriage with McVeigh. He got uh, showered with a, a, a huge contract. They go to the Super Bowl. They're—they mm-hmm. they're, look unstoppable, and then New England stops them in their tracks. They score three points, and Golf was never the same. What happened?
0: Well, I think—I think a couple of things happened. I think one, they were so dialed in as an offense. Their O line was great they were and i always i always i've talked to you about this i've talked on this podcast about this the illusion of spread they gave you this spread look three wide receiver said i did a game i did a game late late in the season in that 2018 season of the rams and they th- their percentage of 11 personnel so three wide receivers one tight end one back 11 they weren't at 98% of the time the only times that they weren't in 11 personnel was on the goal line and in kneel down situations, that was the those were the only plays they weren't in eleven. So it was it was this illusion of hey we're going to spread you out and you got to you know you've got to play nickel to our spread looks and we're in single backs and then they motion and jet motion and they hold one backside and they get an extra blocker on the front side and then they just cram it down your freaking throat. And Todd Gurley was just running over people. And and if you remember during that 2018 season. They ran through the league for about the first 11 games or so. And then Gurley had the had the injury, the knee injury, and they slowly but surely got chipped away. And I think ultimately they looked at Jared Goff like you know, he hit a ceiling. And even when we run it as well as we run it, because they're a power football team, like I said, disguised as a spread, even when we do that and we set up the play action perfectly and we get wide open guys – he just can't make enough of those throws to to get those kind of explosive plays that um, that he was getting in in 2018. That he just doesn't seem to be getting the same at the same rate. And and I think I think that's ultimately what happened. But here's what here's what I think is fascinating to me because I came up and was drafted by Washington, and and that in those days it was Joe Gibbs and it was Bobby Beathard. And the belief at the time was we will trade an unknown commodity for a known commodity. We don't care. Washington is one of the only teams in the history, the Rams won't have a first round pick for seven years. Washington has done that twice. One year, I think, once it went 10 years, once it went seven years. They didn't care. If we can get big time talent that we know is proven in the National Football League, we'll give away your opportunity in it with the first round pick where it's 50-50. Now here's the, here's the deal about first rounders though, where they come they've become even more valuable is because of, of cost certainty. You know that you've got that guy locked up in the fifth round or in the first round for five years with cost certainty. And so that's where the, the – that's, to me, the more valuable part of first rounders not, hey, the first round is going to come in and be great and and turn our franchise around. No, it's, hey, we've got cost certainty. And I think that comes down to this. I think it comes down to there are half a dozen – a dozen teams in the National Football League that care about winning. And I mean winning championships. Like everybody wants to win, Right. Everybody hopes to win. Everybody, like, oh, if they get that one winning season or one playoff season, they're, they're good for a couple of years. But there's only 12 of them that are truly committed to winning championships. And so for most teams, the cost certainty of the draft and the hope springs eternal of young players, and look, we got first-rounders, you know, bring people to the ballpark. It brings people to the stadiums.
1: This Deshaun Watson saga is fascinating to watch and we're paying close attention to it here in Denver because you know the Broncos have a a need at, at quarterback and you got a hungry fan base that would love to see the Broncos go after Deshaun Watson and and trying to sort of piece together what's real and what's not. Seems like you'll talk to one guy who's connected, another guy who's supposedly connected, um and and you hear different things about Hey, this team is on Watson's radar. This team he would be interested yeah. in playing for. This team he wouldn't be interested in playing for. It's it's fascinating. It's complex. It's muddy. It's murky. Do you have any sense, any idea, where this thing is at and where it's going? Well, I, the latest
0: team that has jumped into the fray, there's reports that the Raiders would be willing to make a deal for for uh Watson, they'd ship Carr and three first rounders to Houston for a chance at Watson, which really has me nervous because then I'm like, then I'm like, you know, you've got then you would have Herbert, you'd have Watson and you'd have Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is a unicorn. If he's a unicorn, then Watson's like a Pegasus and then and then Herbert's like a Minotaur and we got Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Watch me dance down 21. Pew, 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 pew. Like, you got no chance. For the next 15 years, you got no chance of winning this division. So that that scares me. But I actually like, you know, your tinfoil hat conspiracy. I want you to share with the listeners your tinfoil hat conspiracy when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Because I think, I actually think, based on what we saw with Stafford, Like, the reports now that Stafford is in Los Angeles as this was already kind of a done deal before everybody opened up and everybody started making their pitch. You know, the 7 to 10 to 12 teams that were making a pitch. It was
1: really L.A. or bust. Here's my theory. Strap on the tinfoil cap, everybody. So when it comes to Deshaun Watson, his public trade demand came out right after the Texans hired David Culley. People in the know said, this trade demand, the Texans were aware of it weeks ago. Well, Adam Schefter broke the news weeks ago
0: that he was de- – but it never was – he never – Watson never made it public. Exactly, Schefter
1: made it public. Right. Yeah. But – and I think Adam, out of respect to the Texans, kind of sat on it a little bit. Right. Because the Texans were like, hey, we, we, we got to get a coach hired, right? Right. So I think what's happening here with Deshaun Watson is – I think a deal is already in place. I think the parameters of a deal have already been agreed upon.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's just a matter of can the Texans somehow save the relationship with Watson? If they can't, I believe they got a deal already worked out with the dolphins. It makes too much sense. Think about it. He would like to be able to go play in a place like Miami, play for a coach like Brian, Brian Flores, a team that went 10 and six last year with Fitzpatrick and Tua. Here's what the Texans can get in return. They can get the pick back from the Dolphins that they lost in the controversial Laramie Tunsil deal that, that looked bad. They get that pick back. Plus they get a very marketable, hey, the, a lot of potential quarterback into a tongue of Iola. And I, I, just, I just don't think that everything is so black and white that everybody's on hold right now just waiting. I believe conversations are being had parameters are being set trade talks are being had and it's just a matter now of the texans saying hey we want to try to make it work we're going to wait and try to make it work but if it doesn't this is what we're prepared to do right i think it's to the dolphins
0: and with and with that i mean the dolphins would get the number three pick uh or the dolphins would give houston the number three pick to a tongue of Viola, that pick they traded away for Laramie Tunsil, and then whatever else they have to throw in on the back end, maybe next year's first round or maybe a second round, whatever it is. But I I actually like the conspiracy theory because the thing we found out was uh, like the Rams deal was already a done deal. It it, it, like it it, had already worked out, and I think there are, I mean, I know there are a lot of kind of where there's smoke, there's fire. There, there's a lot of. Behind the scenes dealings going on right now. There are a lot of people kicking tires. A lot of people saying, "Hey, what if we gave you this? What if we gave you that?" But I, I like the I like the conspiracy theory, Mike. I do think that there's probably something to that being in the works. You
1: can't tell me that the Texans, Nick Casario, is just sitting back saying and having no conversations, no what are our contingencies, what are our fallbacks in case we can't work it out with Deshaun Watson, I Mm -hmm. think what he's doing is they're they're trying to have, they're trying to let this thing cool down a little bit. But if you think that they're just sitting back doing nothing with the idea that we'll wait and see, and then we'll go back and approach Deshaun, and if we can't work it out, now it's like, all right, what do we do now? Come on. That's not how it works. Yeah, one of
0: the things you always do in this business, which I find fascinating, is, you know, it's the reading of the tea leaves. And... You always listen to press conferences. You listen to the things that go on during the course of a press conference. And you try to figure out kind of what's the mindset of that guy? What, what, you know, what is he really saying? Like, you know, is he, is he parsing his words? Is he like, what does he, he do? Like Nick Casario in his introductory press conference went from at the beginning calling Deshaun Watson by name, Deshaun Watson toward the end of his press conference, calling the player. He was like, the player this and the player that and the player. We're definitely going to do all we can do to work out an agreement with the player. That's right out of the
1: Belichick Parcells playbook. Right, yeah. Right. I
0: mean, we're going we're gonna, to uh, sit down. We're going to talk to the player and uh, see if we can rectify uh, the uh, relationship here with the player. And uh, I mean, it's already like you have, y- to me, you've already kind of put it, the wheels into motion of. He's the bad guy. We just signed him to a deal last year in September or whatever it was, you know, uh, August, whatever it was, and now all of a sudden the player wants to leave and uh, you know, and it's it's almost a way to me of easing that pain a little bit to be like, "Hey, you know, we just experienced it here in Denver, Colorado with Nolan Arenado where the owner and the GM came out and basically, hey, there was nothing we could do. Uh, the player wanted to leave right off the bat. And, um, you know, we signed him to this deal. And then he was upset and disgruntled and wanted to leave. Well, what could we do? Well, There's nothing we could do. So, you know, it, it, to me, that's always one of those kind of, um, what's the old term, grease the skids, you know? Grease up the skids before the guy slides out of town.
1: Yeah. So, it it's it's uh, it's been a fascinating week. And oh, by the way, there's a Super Bowl on Sunday. Mm -hmm.
0: I know. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to come back at the end of the week and we're going to give you our picks. We're going to give you the analysis. We're going to talk about the game um, and everything involved in this game between Tampa Bay and Kansas City. The old goat versus the young goat. What a game it's going to be. The keys to the game. We'll do it all Uh, at the end of the week on Friday. So for everybody involved in the Stink of Truth podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you at the end of the week to break down the Super Bowl.